step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Get ready for all the craziness of small business. It's exactly that craziness that makes it exciting and totally unbelievable. Small Business Radio is now on the air with your host, Barry Moltz. Well, thanks for joining this week's radio show. Remember, this is your final word in small business. For those keeping track, and I know you are, this is now unbelievably show number 541. This episode is provided by Nextiva, the all-in-one communications platform. It's also provided by Web.com, who's a leading provider of websites and domains for small businesses serving 3 million companies just like yours for a 25% offer building your own website. Go to www.web.com slash Barry Molds. It's also sponsored by Maco Design, a global award-winning product development firm that helps bring your invention idea to life. It's also provided by Corporate Direct. Protecting your assets is crucial and your protection is set with Corporate Direct. It's also sponsored by LinkedIn, the place to generate leads, drive website traffic, and build your brand awareness for a free $100 ad credit to launch your campaign, go to www.linkedin.com SBR. Well, one of the biggest problems small business owners face today is that they don't keep their customers. They're so busy attracting new customers to the front door that the existing ones leave out the back door. As a result, they can never, ever truly build a sustainable business. Here to show us a solution to all this is David Avron, CSP, who has become one of the most popular speakers on the customer experience in the world today. He has over 4,000 one-on-one conversations with company leaders regarding their value proposition and competitive advantage. He's the author of his latest book. It's called Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back. David, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Well, to me, this is one of the largest problems that small business owners face. You know, they bring sure. new com- new customers in, but then they don't stay, so they don't have a sustainable business. Why do people leave? You know, the easiest answer why, why customers leave is, is because they can. You know, we've, we live in a really interesting time. There are more choices than we've ever had. But moreover, most of those choices are really, really good. You know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we could compete on quality and commitment and caring and trust and all of the sort of pedestrian things. But the reality is today everybody's good. I mean, if you weren't good, you would be called out online, Yelp or TripAdvisor, Rotten Tomatoes, Glassdoor. It has really become a real equalizer because the internet outs underperformers. So I think people leave when anything becomes difficult, if they feel like they're no longer valued, if they feel like they're just another number or they're being taken for granted. It's not that everybody's undergoing tremendous abuse, but there's so many other companies who are, who are really aggressive and uh, in, in trying to lure people away. Uh, a lot of incentives, a lot of, of really customer drawing behavior. And for those 
who are long-standing customers who we sometimes get lulled into thinking, well, they love us. They've been, they've been coming forever or they work with us forever. There's a lot of people out there who are trying to take your long-term customers and convert them into their first-time customers, and we just can't be complacent. And they may not even love you. They may only like you. And last month we, sure. had, we had Glenn Tolman, who's the head of Livongo, on. He said, like means that that customer is just waiting to be, that, that customer is just waiting to sure. replace you with someone that they love. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, most customers are what I call fine. They're fine. What would you think about their restaurant? It was fine. 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 fine is, you know, that, I mean, that's a death march right there <clears throat> because so many are so good. Um, I think people get a little bit dismissive of competitors as well. Uh, and and, and I, as I speak across the country and around the world, I mean, 23 countries now, I just got back from Bogota, Colombia last week, and I'm heading to India, is we hear all the time of uh, just sort of this pedestrian level of, you know, what, what makes us stand out? It's, it's, it's quality. I mean, I hear CEOs get in front of their organizations. They say, folks, at the end of the day, it is about quality. And I could not disagree more. I think at the beginning of the day, it's about quality. I think quality is the entry fee. You better be really good at what you do. But today, the winners have distinct, um, significant, recognizable competitive advantage. And it's not just about being good. It's about being better than others who are really good. And oftentimes when the product itself is fairly comparable, I mean, everybody's good. If you're going to go buy a refrigerator, it's not going to be significantly better than other refrigerators you can buy, maybe more bells and whistles. What companies are really coming to recognize, small businesses, large businesses, and others, is there's an opportunity to stand out by envisioning and crafting and delivering a superior customer experience. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not about wow moments. I, I, I'm, I sort of rail against those who push these incredible wow moments. I think they're fine, but I think it's more of can you build a reputation on delivering for every customer every time? Are you, are you the easiest to do business with? We talk a lot about customer service. And I, I don't think we should confuse it with customer experience. I think we've done customer service. We've done 30 years we've been talking about customer service. It's very important, but I think people get it. The experience is really looking at how do your customers experience doing business with you at every point of contact. It might be on your app. It might be in person. It might be on the phone. It might be through a live chat. Are you easy to get a hold of? Can they talk to a real person when they want to? Can you, can you expedite the service or the delivery? And I talk to audiences about looking at every point of contact and asking a question. Could we do it different or better or faster or more memorably or more engaging or more intuitive? And smart companies are having those discussions internally. And I think what you mentioned here is every point of contact is really important because, David, I find yeah. out so many people say, yeah, you know, we got a great customer service or we give a great customer experience, but they're just paying lip service to it. Why yeah. do so many of us pay lip service to it, but so few companies actually offer a good experience? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and it's not just lip service, and it is lip service, but I think they, they honestly believe that they've got it covered. But they do it in such basic ways by saying, listen, we treat our customers like family. And, and, I, and I think, well, listen, I see how a lot of you treat your family. It's not, <laughs> not, not always a good thing, right? But Or, or they'll, they'll be very basic and say, it's the, the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have done unto you. They tell their frontline people, um, treat them like you want to be treated. But there's a problem with that. And the problem is we aren't our customers. I like the, the platinum rule. Dr. Tony Alessandra and Jim Cathcart talk about the platinum rule which is doing to others as they would have done to themselves. In other words, don't treat them like you want to be treated. Treat them like they want to be treated. And to do that requires a level of service empathy. We have to understand their life and their, and their pressures and, and their decision-making process and, their, and the constraints in their time. Um, 
I was doing I was doing an interview with somebody saying, why is this getting worse when we've been talking about it for 30 years? And and I think it really comes down to this. I think organizations are working. The competition is so hard today. I think we're trying to create a level of predictability. We sort of do the franchise model, which is if we can standardize the policies and the conversations and the process, this is how we do it, right? We can also have predictability in terms of customer path and buying behavior and revenue and profits. But there's a problem with that, which is we aren't all cookie cutter. And what's, what's extracted from that is the ability for people to be flexible, to accommodate. And, you know, we, but that scares organizations, scares small business owners and others. If we, if we let our people make decisions, they might make a wrong decision. But the problem is we also don't let them to do the right thing when there's an opportunity for that. And so we just try and quote our policies. Sorry, we can't do that. Um, no, you, you, we don't do menu substitutions. But, you know, it, it's like you, you walk, you're in the mall. Sorry, you can't bring your drink in the store. Like, really? I'm 55 years old. I have an $8 Starbucks. I'm not going to spill it on your, your nicely folded Gap sweaters. You but know, they're, told to, they're told to say no. You know, this is so in- interesting to me because we say that we empower our frontline people really to make Rarely. the customer experience better, but we really don't do that. Our incentives no. misaligned inside an organization. We incent people consistently to bring in new customers, but we don't really incent them to keep the one we have or provide an outstanding experience for them. You know, there, there's a chapter in my new book, Why Customers Leave, and it's, it's called Don't Stop Wooing Your Customers. And it's we think about all the things that we do. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, it's all good. It's all we, good. We, we think about all the things that we do during the first six months, right? When we're trying to attract a new customer and we're trying to make them happy and we give them incentives. And then the question is, are we doing those things six months later? Are we doing them in a year? Are we doing them two years later? And it's just like our romantic relationships as well, right? If we stop trying and we stop working, we take it for granted. It doesn't mean we're committing offenses, but we're no longer doing things that are special and make them feel feel welcome. Um, there, I, I tell a story that when I was a little kid, I walked into a bank with my dad. And there was, if you remember those times, I mean, I'm older, that they had the, uh, the display and there was a toaster. And I asked my dad, I said, what's the toaster for? He says, oh, that's a, it's a premium. It's an incentive for new customers. And I said, do we get a toaster? He says, he says no. I said, what do we get? He says, nothing. Right? You know, and he handed me a lollipop or something else. Right. Um, we have to keep working. We have to keep working to, to foster those relationships. <clears throat> and the good news is it, it's, when you do it, it's great. Everybody feels great. Your frontline people feel great. Um, but we do pay lip service to our frontline people being able to make decisions. I, we, we try everything to make them not be able to do that. And then we get them quoting policies. I'm, I'm not a big fan of policies. I love guidelines. You know, we, I think we, we, if we spend as much time teaching our employees what good decision-making looks like within the confines and the context of our business model, right, what makes us profitable, and not just teaching our policy quoting, um, then we have a great opportunity for, for, for accommodation. But and sometimes that- what I get back is, is sort of the slippery slope. Well, if we do it for them, we have to do it for everybody. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't. It's, it's, it's a cop-out. Just do it for the people who ask, if you can, because most people won't ask for an accommodation. But, but when you can't, when we say no, um, it's not that we just leave, lose that person, but sometimes they'll go online. Of course. They'll rant. Of and course. no rant. And that's what makes things different today. Of, of, of course. And I think that people have to understand, David, that folks no longer want to buy your stuff, right? They don't want to buy your product. They don't want to buy your service. They want to have a great customer experience. And with so much competition out there, they will find one. 
Absolutely. Well, there, there are people, well, we're, well, those who are listening to this podcast right now, there are competitors who are sitting in rooms um, strategizing and, and collaborating and thinking, how can we do this different or better or faster? Um, and we call that disruption, right? People are coming in trying to find ways to do what we do different. Now, of course, if we create it, we just call it innovation. But if it happens to us, it's, it's disruption. Um, but I think how we define the experience is really important because once again, if, if something is a simple transaction, we aren't necessarily looking for a wow experience, but we are looking for an efficient experience and a, 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 an experience that, that doesn't give us a level of frustration. Companies spend billions of dollars getting customers and then they put them on hold for 45 right, minutes. Exactly. Right. <laughs> or, or they, or you go into stores and they start transferring all the, the duties to you. No, you have to check out your own stuff and you have to scan your own items and you have to tag your own luggage at the, at, at the airport. And you know what? It adds up. It sure and the does. opportunities, I mean, let's, let's be solution oriented here. The opportunities for your listeners, for business owners and others is to look at what sort of standard in the industry, where are points of frustration or dissatisfaction and ask the question, could we do it differently? Could we be the one who maybe who, who continues to offer an amenity that others have stopped offering? You know, it makes Southwest Airlines very attractive because their bags are free when all right. of a sudden everybody else isn't. And um, there's little points of frustration in almost every business model. And the smart companies are pulling out a magnifying glass or pulling out a hand mirror and saying, are we guilty of that infraction? And, and it's, it's easy to say, well, that's how it's done. But the opportunities for growth, the opportunities to engender that sense of loyalty is by asking, could we do it different? Could we do it better? Could we do it faster? And uh, the greatest ideas, I think, are within the companies themselves. Uh, sometimes it's the conversations, and that's the purpose of my book, Why Customers Leave, is to sort of spark some of those conversations. I identify 24 reasons that people say enough of this and they move on. Um, and they're not always angry or frustrated. They just say, eh, there's a better choice. And there's almost always a better choice. So, David, do you feel that this is uniquely an American problem? Because I know when I travel to other countries, I find that the service is better. Is this just an American thing and everyone else is doing it right? Uh, no, you know what? It is, it is a global. Like I said, I, I've been in 20, 23 countries around the world. Now, there are, there are countries, you go to Singapore, you go to others, the service is exceptional. But you can't always... Um, compare or conflate service with experience. And I'll give you a really quick example. For, for, for decades, banks have always said that their competitive advantage is that they know their customers by name. Their best customers, their high net worth individuals, they know them by name. Well, what happens when your primary bank branch becomes your cell phone? That perceived advantage is gone. My experience with my bank primarily is through my cell phone, through the app. Well, there's no customer service involved in that. There's no smile. There's no... So companies are getting very smart about how do we facilitate transactions? Is it intuitive? Is it difficult? I think the biggest mistake, the biggest offense, and, and, and it's not just American companies, it really is worldwide, is the companies that make it very, very difficult to talk to a real person. And everybody gets frustrated. We go to our website, we're trying to find a freaking phone number, and there's nothing. There's no email address, there's no phone number, but then they put a contact form, which, which I think is evil. Absolutely. You know, but yeah, but but they want you to and I'm like nobody wants to fill out the form, but but they're not they're not trying to be difficult. They think they're being efficient. They think they're being brilliant. They're thinking, well, people will fill out the form. Now we'll be able to capture their information. We can market to them. Um, maybe we can ask them additional pre-qualifying questions. It's going to be wonderful. Well, there's a problem. 
The problem is we don't want to fill out the form. You know, I mean, the, the contact form on, on a website, it's the answering machine of the Internet. Right, because we also, we David, don't we, we don't know where it's we going. We talk to a person. Right, exactly. Yeah. We don't know where it's going. We don't even know if it got where it was supposed to go. So it's incredibly frustrating, I think. Yeah. Or so. when some, if and when somebody's going to get back to us, what's the easiest thing to do? Just click on a different vendor. So here's, here's my, my, my biggest point, and I know we're short on time, is the greatest source of lost revenue for those listening, your greatest source of lost revenue is the customer or client or prospect that you never knew about, right? They clicked Absolutely. away. They didn't leave any information. They drove by and they didn't stop. They called, but they hung up because they didn't want to deal with the voicemail. That's a bigger source. Of, and you have no idea who those people were or how many of them there were. So my admonition is take a step back. Be the easiest company to do business with. Um, have a real person when others don't. And um, and and make it remarkably easy to do business with you. It will it will significantly impact your 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 business, your loyalty, your revenue. This is the advice I believe, David, for our time. So thanks so much for being on the show. Where can Thank people you. get in touch with you? Um, they can look me up at, at davidaverin.com, A V R I N. Uh, I'm everywhere on online as well, and all of my books are on on audiobook and Kindle and everything else. The new book, of course, is Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back. Look it up on Amazon. And uh, I'm one of those guys that actually answers my own email. So uh, unless I'm on an airplane or I'm on stage somewhere, David at davidaverin.com would love to hear from you. And if you have any advice for David to get rid of his cold, you can write that too. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, sir. David, thanks so much. This is WCPT AM 820 in Chicago. We'll be right back. I know a lot of small business owners are confused about where to advertise online and how to actually get results. You gotta be diligent because you can lose a lot of money fast if you don't choose the right platform and the right audience. The question I always get is, should I advertise on a search engine like Google or a social media platform like LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. For small business owners, LinkedIn is the place to drive brand awareness, generate leads, and build long-term purposeful relationships that result in boosting their business. This is because effective search engine advertising should target audiences, not keywords. LinkedIn's network has more than 575 members, and their advertising gives you the ability to effectively target the right message to the right people while they're working. It has the marketing tools to help you target your customers with precision, down to their job title, company name, and industry. In fact, four to five customers who are on LinkedIn are decision makers at their company, so you're building relationships with the people that really matter. This will result in higher quality leads and more website traffic. So to redeem a $100 free LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, please use this website for listeners of Small Business Radio Show. You got to go to linkedin.com slash SBR. That's linkedin.com slash SBR for your free $100 ad credit. Remember that terms and conditions apply. Let me know about your results. You've already upgraded your cell phone to a smart device, which lets you use the internet to be more productive on the go. But what about your desk phone? Nextiva. Nextiva is a smart business phone system in the cloud. With a simple setup through an internet connection, you can soon have access to your office communications wherever you are. Stay seamlessly connected with clients and stay more mobile than ever before with just one low monthly cost. Give your business more than just a basic desk phone. Visit nextiva.com or call 800-799-0600 to learn more today. 
Nextiva. Simplifying your business communications. I always hear from small businesses that despite all the tools that are out there, they still don't understand how to start and update their website. They need it to be affordable and they need it to be very easy to use. Web.com does both, servicing over 3 million small businesses with easy and affordable products like their website builder. Now, they call it the easiest builder on the planet. I call it fail-proof. I personally built a website in less than an hour. Now, if I can be successful at it, you can too. And because Web.com wants to help you get started, they're offering an exclusive promotion to today's listeners. Get free copywriting and design recommendations on your do-it-yourself website or get web.com to design it for you and get 25% off your setup fee. Grow your business with web.com because website building should be easy. Visit www.web.com slash for more information. Stick around to get your small business unstuck. More of Small Business Radio with Barry Moltz, now on WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Well, there are two things that are going to determine the success you're going to have as an entrepreneur. The first one is a thriving community, and the second one is a strong personal brand. My next guest has both of these. Ron Ray is an entrepreneur who started four companies and sold two of them. He's published four books. His latest is called Celebrity CEO, How Entrepreneurs Can Thrive by Building Community and a Strong Personal Brand. Ramon, welcome back to the show. Hey, Barry. Thanks for having me back. I'm so glad to be here. And as you know, not because I'm on your show, you have one of the best shows that I enjoy because you get right to the point and I'm excited to be here and most importantly, share with your community. So thank you, Barry. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. You speak on so many different topics when it comes to small business owners. For your newest book, why did you focus on community and personal brand? Yeah, I think for probably two reasons. One, because a lot of people kept asking me, Ramon, how did you do it? As you do, Barry, and many of our colleagues and peers, but my version of how you do it. So I was just asked it a lot. And I figured, you know what? This is something I can write and talk about. And two, I think because many times I get caught up, as you know, Barry, what I do in the speeds and feeds of Twitter and video and Facebook and all these cool things that, that we do that I do quite a bit. But I realized the big secret was I have a community. And and I guess the two and a half berries that I struggled with not staying in my lane, like, oh, I want to be like this person, that person. And I said, you know what? I have a community. People who like Ramon's version of how he does what he does, let me grow that. So that's kind of the reason why I wrote that book. And that's one of the most important thing, I think, for entrepreneurs and small business owners to learn is that really have to find their niche. I remember when Seth Godin's been on the show many times, he said, listen, only 5% of the people in the United States know me, but you know, that's like 10 million people and that's okay. That's enough for me. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is, Barry. I mean, listen, we can take this example. Anybody we want to use, we'll use a uh, fishing caddy was a guy who was one on one Steve Harvey's, you know, show where you go there and win some money, kind of like Steve Harvey version of Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. Fishing caddy. I don't fish, Barry. I don't like worms. I don't like the river. I'm exaggerating a bit. All this stuff. But if you're a fisherman or fisher lady, you'll be interested in that little plastic thing he created. So that's exactly what it is. And I think that so many times we focus on, I get it, whether the typical quote unquote Kardashian and people have billions of followers, Barack or Trump or whatever. But most of us, Barry, we're not going to be that. It's just, it's just it's the, the numbers just don't work. Most of us are not going to be LeBron. But what we can do is make the best linen for moms who have allergies. We can make the best 
trash can for dads who cut their little boy's hair or whatever it is. So that we can do. So how do you resist the urge to go broad rather than niche? Because I think so many times, especially when entrepreneurs are starting out, they want to be everything to everybody because they just want to be busy. They just want to have some kind of revenue. But what advice do you have so they don't have that knee-jerk reaction? Wow, that's a great question. I think for me, Barry, I know I'm, I was just tired of wasting time and losing money. So those are the two trigger points of me. You know, just so much, oh, I'm going to try to boost more views, get more traffic. Ooh, let me speak at the national, you know, so-and-so conference. And after wasting so much time and money, I'm like, wait a minute, Barry Moles, Jane Doe, they, they already said, women, we like you. Why don't we just serve them more? <laughs> easier. So I think to people listening to not make the mistakes I've made, I think you just have to will yourself to be satisfied. You know, look at that. You had a Facebook Live or you had a conference and 37 people came to hear you talk about how to dress better. Let's say you're a brand uh, image person. Then be thankful for those 37 people. See if the next time they can refer just two more people and grow your business that way. And Barry, I'd say, go back to the things that many of us have heard you talk about on your show. How can you increase profitability? How can you get more referrals? Those simple things will build wealth, revenue, and profit. You know, I love this idea. There's an old biblical saying that says that huge changes a single soul, changes the entire world. I think sometimes mm. we don't realize that if you can make a difference in one person's life or the 37 people that showed up, that's a big deal. Absolutely. And I think that's the key thing is that, and again, going back to Seth Godin, he's a firm believer in this, is, you know, I, what does he say, Barry? You know, I want to change lives. I want to affect a person. I, I don't want to speak at an event, and it's not quite like this, but I don't want to speak at an event if I can't make a change. So I think that's what we're talking about. So I would say to the small businesses listening, Barry and I, I don't think, we're not saying we don't want you to grow. We want you to have a ton of money and, and send some to me if you want it, Barry. But it's unrealistic that everybody's going to be the next Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. That's just not going to happen for most. But what's reachable is that we all have a community. And if you want to grow your business, if you want to increase profitability, if you want to make more money, if you want to impact more people, start building communities. And the other thing I'll add, maybe we'll talk about it later, I'm not sure, but to add to this point about community barriers that, as I say, it's easier to ask for a smile than a sale. So as you're doing that, be you. you know, people will like someone, uh, somebody else's style better than my style, but you can ask for a smile, build a community, and have a certain percentage of those people then pay you. And if you do that, rinse and repeat, you'll live a happy, happy life. There's a guy as I walk to the train in the morning, he's out mm -hmm. on the street, he's looking for, he's got a cup out, he's looking for money, but he doesn't mm -hmm. say, can you spare a dollar? He says, can you give me a smile? And he goes, I just want a smile. And as people walk yeah. by, he says, have a smile. And he gives, and people give him a smile. And then ultimately, mm -hmm. a lot of those people then give him a dollar. Wow. I need to know this guy. Cause, but isn't it true, Barry? I, I've had, and I think that the, the homeless people who do things like that get more money. I, my own story, I was at, uh, was it South by Southwest or somewhere? And the guy was something weird, Barry, like, could you invest 50 cents in my cup? Something weird. <laughs> that was not as good as the smile guy. But the point is, it was different. And you're right, Barry. I think too many times, we, and this is part of the premise of the book, I think we, we focus on getting the sale, getting the sale, getting the sale. A friend of mine is one of the best car, car salesmen in New Jersey, the town I live in. And he says, Ramon, even though it's the long, uh, what do you, the, the long view of doing it, when people come in, I don't try to get their money. I don't try to ask them when they're buying today and all that. My goal, Ramon, first and foremost, just how are you? Oh, you have a little child. She's so cute. Do you want a balloon? 
Want some cookies? Want some milk? How can I serve you? How can I help you? What, what do you do? And he says, Ramon, I've done that for X number of years. That's why I have so many repeat clients because I'm not trying to make the sale first. I'm trying to make a friendship, trying to make a connection and build trust. And that's really the start of building a community, right? You're forming relationships with people over a long period of time. People come back to me and say, well, Barry, no, you know, my client or, or I'm not interested in business with you. And I'm saying, that's fine, right? I'm not disappointed <laughs> by it. I'll go on to the next person that may right. have a problem that I can solve, but it, I, I'm not insulted by that, but I want to mm-hmm. help the people that feel like they are attached to my message in the first place. As you were saying, it's to build relationships with people. And one of the ways that I believe that you do it, you know, every Sunday night, and I get on there sometimes where mm-hmm. you have a, an hour on Facebook and you're talking about different topics, but whenever people come on, you're mentioning those people by name and you're making a personal connection with each of those people so they feel more attached to you. Absolutely, Barry. And of course, as you know, my dream is like, man, I wish I was on CNBC or some big channel with millions of people. But my Facebook library, I had this guy, and you may have seen the name, uh, William Chilton. He's a mover in Austin, Texas. It's him. I'm seeing Barry's uh, name in my feed at times, which encourages me to go on because he said, Ramon, I look forward to Sunday evenings because he's in my tribe, you know, and there's other people in other people's tribes. He's in my tribe. And he says, I just like the connection. Business is hard. I've had a rough week. I can just spend and just 30 minutes with you and either laugh at you, laugh with you, or some combination. And as you said, Barry, that encourages me because I'm touching a life now. Barry, people are saying, Ramon, well, what about the money side? And this is not the show for that today. It take too long. But the point making, I just want to address it. You know, I'm not just saying do this for, what is the saying, tiddlywinks and fiddles or whatever the cool saying is, but this is part of a community. This is part of engagement. This is part of building trust. At some point, people there will buy something. So I just want to acknowledge, we're not just saying do it for kumbaya. But it starts with relationship and just being a friend, as it were. And this is what the big brands are doing as well. I keep saying, Ramon, people no longer want to buy your stuff. They don't want to buy your product. They don't want to buy your service. They want to have an authentic relationship, an authentic experience with you. And this is really where it starts. I mean, I have. I, it's amazing for me is that when I come out with some kind of new product or service, the same handful of people will buy whatever I'm selling, right? <laughs> and that's a good thing. And that's kind of reassuring, yeah. right? Because they have a connection with you. And we do the same thing like with Apple products or Peloton mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Or, um, I, or, or I'm going to buy that product when it comes out if I'm still using mm-hmm. that class of product. Right. No, you're right. And I guess and the opportunity I can see then for what you just said, Barry, is this is where it takes now sell more stuff and not crassly. But to your point, Barry, people like Barry's uh, shaving cream, like his ice cream, whatever Barry's selling, his books and all that. Barry's job now. Great. Ramon bought the shaving cream. I'm making it up. Can I sell him shoe polish with my, you know, with my name and brand on it? Ramon's going to buy it. So this now is where the money comes. Ah, they liked my XYZ that I made. What else can I sell an authentic, good way of service? to meet their needs because they trust me. This is exactly the name of the game. The car companies, I think, Barry, you're maybe better than that than I am, but I think the car companies kind of have that model where you have the different lines of cars for different types of people, but it's all Toyota or Ford or whatever it is. Maybe that was a a stretch of an example, but something like that. (laughs) One of the things I love that you do, Ramon, is that you really let your personality come out in your brand, and it lets people get to know who you are. Like, I know that you like... I think it's burnt pancakes, yep. right? And and you're always out there really saying how you feel about things, and it's from business to personal, so people really get to connect ultimately with who you are. 
And I think that's such an important part of doing business with anybody in our society today. I really do think so, Bear. I was at a conference yesterday uh, called Unfair Advantage. Really, really good. Uh, you know, those were taping this, but uh, Unfair Advantage. And, and the point is that they were talking about vulnerability. And I don't think anybody should be vulnerable for the sake of it just to be kind of uh, cool or just, oh, you know, I, in a weird way. But to your point, Bear, what, I'm, what I try to do is this is part of the journey I've had again, building community, is I have to be who I am. You, you and I have known each other for a while, Barry. I'm not the most strategic person. Numbers don't come good to me. That's a forte you have, being a, running a big company, et cetera. Those things are just not my strengths. But what I can do is make people laugh. I have woo. I can connect. I'm just a, a warm guy. So that's my strength. And I think that that's what I try to do with my audience is to say, guys and ladies, let's not take ourselves too seriously. Let's calm down America, calm down world, and run our businesses because I think that endears people to you as well, knowing that, oh, he makes mistakes. You know, or he likes burnt pancakes or he's struggling with gaining weight and losing weight. I don't want to get too personal because my wife will kill me. But. <laughs> or get too personal about her. Or as my wife would say, uh, I went into the hospital. You're not going to put this on Facebook, are you? I go, no, honey, exactly. I'm not going to. It's OK. <laughs> what happens when you have people that really don't want to share so much of themselves to create a personal brand? What recommendation do you have for them? That's a great question. So two things. I would say, one, get over it because it's so important. You will increase your business. You will grow your brand if you share. But the second thing is you don't have to share everything. There is one or two things out of the 50 things in our personal lives that you can bring out. You bought a new puppy. Share about it. Did you stub your toe? You don't have to talk about a nasty divorce weight loss, depression, all these things that maybe have been nastier for some people, but I'm sure you bought some ice cream with your kids yesterday. Maybe you don't want to show their faces. Fine. Show the back of their heads. So there's always something that you can do that's a bit out of the, I'm an accountant, get your profit and loss, it's tax time. That's something out of that just to make yourself more human and more real to people. And that nasty divorce, we really don't want to see that on social media. There were two celebrities in Chicago that recently broke up and they were engaged and they, were, they just played it out on social media. And I really don't want to see that. So that's OK. What do you do if you're trying to build your personal brand, Ramon, on a limited budget? Because a lot of small business owners don't have a lot of money, but they do want to make an investment. Absolutely. So for zero budget marketing, a few things I, I'd recommend. A, I found Chamber of Commerce to be great starting points for me. I've graduated a bit and I've still active in chamber and local events, but there's many local organizations, Barry, as you know, that are looking for speakers. Start there. You're not going to keynote. You're not going to be the main stage speaker, but many of them will at least get you on a panel. And that's one thing. So you can start very local, get on panels. That's one. Two, you can do your own events. I'm sure you can partner with a buddy, with a friend who has a little boardroom, invite 10 people in there. So once you do that, Barry, the second thing is do it now a lot. Have that little event you're doing once a month, once a week with some cheap pizza. Get on several panels. So that's point two. Three, can you video that or chronicle it? So you have to be your own publicist. I want to see a headline, Barry, coming out on Medium or LinkedIn. Hey, Jane's uh, foot care event happened. People came and learned. Blog about us. I'll stop there. I can go more. But that's really how you start locally. Get on panels. Get events. And then amplify them. And then online, of course, Barry. The sky's the limit. It's how much time do you have? I, I have a FREA, Frequency, Relevancy, Engagement, Analytics. If you do that online using tags and other things that, that Barry's probably talked about over the years, you'll grow your personal brand. And I love what you're talking about with frequency, right? Because it does take time, just like the radio show or what you're doing on Sunday night and Facebook. Mm -hmm. It takes time for people to tune in and get into the habit of listening. It doesn't happen. Oh, yeah, I put up a video this week. I'll put one up next month. 
Exactly. And remember, we're in a very transient world. I think that's the word. I love these big words, Barry, that I have no clue what they mean. But a very transient world, meaning kind of say that people don't see everything. I post something today, Barry's not going to see it. He may only see it the fourth time I posted it. So hence the frequency is important. Now, when do you stop? I'm guessing people are going to be asking me. Maybe stop after a year, six months, whatever the time is, but do give it, quote unquote, some amount of time. That's important, Barry. You're so true. Because I think people give up too soon. Oh, I've done it for a month. I passed out flyers for two months. It, you, sometimes you got to just keep doing it, keep doing it. You know, I, I just did this uh, webinar on how do you really make money at podcasting, and so mm-hmm. many people go, yeah, you know, I, I want to do a podcast. I'm going, great. Can you do 50 of them, and then we'll see how yeah. you do. They go, no, no, I just want to try a few and see how it works. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's okay, but it doesn't work after just doing two. Barry, what great advice. I, love, and I know you're not joking. Can you do 50s? And did you guys hear that? I want to underline that, Barry, because you're right. Especially in the online world, two, three, four, five, ten may not be enough. And part of the learning process, one, is people don't see it. Two, it's like priming a pump. It takes some time for people to get engaged with it. And three, Barry, you learn. And I know that's part of your journey as well, being fellow speakers and other things we do. I've learned so much. You know, having spoken now for over 20 years, thousands of times or whatever the number is to tens of thousands of people, every speech I give is a learning experience. Okay, I can say this line better, hit the stage better, smile better here, and you get better and better. None of us are going to get perfect, but the more you do it, what is it, the 10,000 hours, what some smart guy said, and sure or not, I don't know, but the point is it sounds good, 50 times going to a podcast. It's so true. Frequency is important. And, and uh, again, a lot of folks will come to me and they say, well, Barry, how do you get great paid sponsors like Web.com and Square? and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I go, well, first you do the first five years of your show where no one's listening. <laughs> that is so, so true. I mean, you haven't oh, gotten to the place Barry. like with the Smart Hustle Conference. It's not like the first year all these people showed up. Right. First year we lost money, man, of course. Now we're talking about it laughing now, but you think I announced, thank you everyone for coming. We lost money. No, it's, and I don't like the word fake it till you make it. Welcome to the first annual Smart Hustle Small Business Conference, ladies and gentlemen. Have fun. The attendees had a good time. Nobody knows that, you know, stables came for free or whatever it is. And this is where the repetition goes and you right. keep building it. Then, and going back to Seth Godin, he had a picture uh, of some of the Nobel Prize winners at some point for like nuclear energy or something. They were all together, but they got the award years later. Something like that he was sharing that sometimes you just have to do it before the award and the accolades come. Uh, absolutely. Ramon, where can people get in touch with you? And most importantly, where can people watch you Sunday nights at 8 p.m. ET? <laughs> Thank you so much for asking, Barry. Facebook.com slash Ramon Ray, Sunday nights, 8 p.m. New York time. And you can just find me everywhere, RamonRay.com. And the title of the book is Celebrity CEO, How Entrepreneurs Can Thrive by Building Community and a Strong Personal Brand. And just give one shout out for your conference. I believe you have in the fall the Smart Hustle Conference. Absolutely. Thank you, Barry. SmartHustle.com slash conference, a growth conference, October 25th. We invite everybody in the Chicago area to come. Ramon, thanks so much. This is AM820 WCPT in Chicago. We'll be right back. Are your business and investment assets protected? Are you receiving all the tax benefits the government allows? The strategic use of corporation and LLCs is a must in our litigious regulated world. Corporate Direct provides affordable and professional asset protection. For over 30 years, Corporate Direct has helped thousands of entrepreneurs just like you to properly set up and maintain their corporation and LLCs. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and best-selling author, 
Garrett Sutton. At CorporateDirect.com, we offer excellent resources for business owners and investors. And we offer a free 15-minute consultation on how you can be better protected. Mention Barry Moltz and receive a $100 discount on every entity you form. Asset protection is not difficult or expensive, but it is not automatic. You must take affirmative steps to be protected and stay protected. Visit CorporateDirect.com and get on the right track. And mention Barry Moltz to receive $100 off every corporation or LLC you form. Are you an inventor, startup, or small business looking to create the next million-dollar product? Maco Design and Invent is an international award-winning design firm built to help startups, inventors, and small businesses develop their invention idea. With 20 years experience designing and engineering products like yours, they can help you take that sketch on a napkin to the store shelves. Call today to set up a consultation. 1-888-806-MACO. That's M-A-K-O. 1-888-806-MACO. Stick around to get your small business unstuck. More of Small Business Radio with Barry Moltz, now on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Well, the role that video photography plays in finding and learning about your business on the web is critical. My next guest was there at the beginning of leveraging this type of technology. Brian Baldoff is a chairman and co-founder of VHT, is actively involved in the development of cutting-edge marketing services specifically designed for the real estate industry. Brian, welcome to the show. Oh, Barry, thanks for having me. Well, you were there at the very beginning knowing that we would look for real estate in a very different way than we had in the past. Talk about that. Yeah, back in uh, was the late 90s, uh, real estate was still being marked in book that you went and looked at at a real estate office and it had a black and white photograph of the front. And uh, boy, the internet was just exploding at that point. We thought there's got to be a better way to market real estate. So we started, uh, at the time it was videohometours.com and we were doing walkthrough video tours of, of homes for sale. So I want people to think back in a time where you could not go on the web, you could not go on Zillow, or Trulia or Realtor.com, and you couldn't actually search yourself, actually go through the entire home by looking pictures of it or a video of it. You actually had to go see the home, right? Yeah, it was crazy. Every weekend, you'd be driving around, and, and I remember the experience, because at the time, we were looking, and you walk through the front door, and you go, nope, this isn't it, and then onto another house, and nope, this isn't it, and then same thing the next weekend and the next weekend, and so it's come a long way in 20 years. So, Brian, how did this profoundly change the real estate industry and the consumer's relationship with it? Well, I think a couple things. One, it really shortened the sales cycle, which is uh, in everybody's best interest. It's a lot easier to uh, do two things. One is kind of go through the discovery phase. Um, You know, when you first get into the market for a home, most people don't really know what they want. They need to see as much as possible to get a sense for what they like, what they don't like, what they want. And that's a long process that's now incredibly uh, expedited. And then secondly, I think it, it just elevated the entire industry in terms of marketing to consumers. <clears throat> Where in the past, agents basically marketed to other agents and they would you know, bring the buyers to the property. Now, you really have to market directly to the sellers. Uh, and that's 
possible because of the internet and photography and video and drone and 3D and floor plans and all the new visual marketing technologies that are being applied to this industry. I think you're absolutely right because I think that the first point of contact so many times with that real estate used to be through the agent. The agent would show you things that they thought you would like. But now when we went through the process of buying a place in Chicago, I was really the one that brought the places to the agent for us to see it because I was constantly looking on the web to see what was available. Exactly. Yeah, that's a a huge change in the dynamic and really has just become super prevalent in the last, you know, five to seven years. It's turned the the industry kind of upside down where it's much more consumer driven now than it's ever been in the past. Do you think that the real estate brokers are fearful that their role is going to go away with this new technology or are they filling other spaces? You know, I, I think um, like with anything, you've got people that see it as an opportunity and are taking advantage of it, might be labeled as disruptors in the industry. And then you've got the others who fear change and, you know, want to go back to the old ways of doing things. But I don't know that you can ever put that horse back in the barn. So um, you're seeing a lot of upstarts, new companies getting into the space saying, hey, we know what the consumer wants. We can do this better than it's been done in the past. I I think it's just created a lot of opportunities. Some people get it and jump on it. Others get crushed by it. Yeah, I, I don't think you can put this horse back in the barn. And what I've been amazed is how much the photography and the video, and as you said now, Brian, the drones really have influenced me as a consumer actually wanting to go see the place. I've seen some incredible photography that just draws me into wanting to buy that place. And then on the other hand, I'm astounded sometimes about the poor photographer that says, well, it looks like it's a dark dungeon. Right. It's amazing to me that, well, you know, this might sound selfish, that everybody doesn't use professional photography yet. But because real estate's such a visual product, I mean, people need to see it. They need to, you know, see themselves living in that home, entertaining in that home. And first impressions are so critical. You know, time is is, is more valuable than ever today to consumers. And so they, when they start the process, they're looking at a lot of different homes. And those first impressions are critical. If they don't like what they see immediately, they're going to move on. And we we constantly preach in in the real estate industry, look, you're not being compared to your peers necessarily. You're being compared to everything else people are seeing on the Internet. So when they go to eBay and they see 25 gorgeous photographs of a birdhouse or a bicycle or a pair of jeans, and then they look at your $500,000 listing and it's got some blurry, dark photographs that you took with your iPhone, you're never going to see that client. <laughs> and, this ex- and, and Brian, this extends beyond real estate. This is for any business owner that's offering any kind of product or service. You've got to have great photos. You've got to have great videos because this is the initial impression that the consumer has when they're a prospect to really start to form a relationship with whatever you're offering, right? Oh, absolutely. And we do a lot of work with small businesses to help them promote their their business because it's the same dynamic. The consumers are making snap decisions on, do I want to go to this restaurant? Do I want to go to this theater? Do I want to go to this doctor? And, you know, I Small businesses spend quite a bit of money on on postcards and mailers and advertising and such. It's visual. You know, I have to see it. I have to get that first impression. And you can't do that with photographs that you take yourself or with your iPhone or, you know, poor, blurry, you know. This this is your one chance to make an impression and get that new client to come in your door. And as you were saying, that decision is made very, very quickly. I know as I was looking for real estate, I would look at whatever the cover photo was and I would decide whether I would 
would look at more photos or I would pass it by. So it happens incredibly quickly and the consumer may be only spending a few seconds deciding whether they want to look more or not look at all. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you, you may think you've taken a great photograph of your business, you know, of your restaurant, it's like, wow, it looks pretty good. But, you know, unless you've looked at tons and tons of photographs of other businesses, you may not understand how the, the lighting and the shadows and, and the colors and things like that really affect uh, people's we always say photography has the power to affect, move, and motivate people to take action. You want them to be impacted by, by the visual. You want them to create a, a perception of your business from that photograph. And so there's a lot of factors that go into play. It's not just taking a photograph as a kind of a documenting, here's my business. It's you want people to see it and say, wow, this place is, you know, we've got to go there. Uh, whether it's a, you know, a Harley dealership or a bowling alley or a shoe store, whatever, they want to be able to say, yeah, I'd feel comfortable walking into that place or I would enjoy that, that uh, place or I could see myself doing business there. And I'm always amazed how there isn't professional photography a lot of times on these review sites, right? Even if you look at Google My Business where people might go to get your address, we have to make sure that there are good representations of what our business looks like on all these different sites, right? Well, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people just say, well, there are a lot of photographs, you know, my clients and customers have taken them, but those aren't necessarily the best representations of your business or putting your business in its best light. You control that. You know, you need to decide what are the the scenes here within my business that really highlight what I do and why I, my business is different. And and that's where working with a professional that has experience doing that is really invaluable. And, and this is a really important point. You say a professional because I think a lot of people say, well, you know, I've got an iPhone. I can take a picture. And of course, you see all these Apple ads where there's an unbelievable picture taken on an iPhone 7 or an iPhone 10 or whatever it is. But having a working with a professional, there still is something to be said about someone that really knows how to take a photograph. Yeah, I laugh because I think some of those uh, ads are a little misleading. It makes everybody, you know, feel like they can, they're equal to a professional, but think of your own profession and just because somebody has the right equipment doesn't make them, them good at it. And, you know, again, look at who you're competing with. It's not just other people in your business. It's consumers are seeing gorgeous photography and video and 3D tours for everything, you know, whether it's a pet supply store or a dentist's office. And so when they come to your business and they see something that was taken with an iPhone, that kind of creates a perception. Right. But it also has to be realistic because I've been to plenty of real estate properties where I didn't want to live at the property. I wanted to live in the photos. <laughs> Right. <laughs> because they did such an incredible job, especially when you shoot kind of from below and it makes the place look larger. You know, you don't want to waste people's time as well because that's just it's just silly. Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I thought one of the uh, something that's really popular in real estate right now is virtual staging. Right. Where we can, you know, like at VHC Studios, we will change out the existing furnishings because you're not buying the previous owner's furniture and decor. So why show the home that way? Show the home with all the potential and, and possibilities that could exist. So we'll just digitally put in new furniture. In a business sense, yeah, you don't want to misrepresent, you know, your your place of business. So when they walk in, they go, wait a minute, this isn't the place I saw the ad for. But professional photography does put it in its best light. And, and speaking of light, I mean, that's the key with photography is lighting is so much different, you know, from one area of a business to another. That's where the expertise really comes in is understanding, okay, how do we make everything in here look its best? So, um, Brian, talk about uh, VH, uh, VHT Studios 
photography suite and what that can offer for businesses and, and other folks? Sure. So, so VHD Studios is really a network of professional real estate and architectural photographers nationwide. There's over a thousand photographers that call VHD Studios their home. And there's various levels of skill and experience. You know, these are professional artists. Some are new to the business. Some have been doing it for 15, 20 years. So our suite of services is based on that. We have a silver, gold, and platinum series of professional photography. And, you know, depending on what's being photographed and the value and the impact and where you're going to be using it, you can choose your level of service and kind of what comes in the packages. You know, in addition to the professional photography, you can get floor plans, 3D tours, drone video and photography. Like I mentioned, virtual staging is really popular in real estate right now. So, so you get a, you know, a professional photographer that's backed by nation's leading studio where we do all the processing and optimization and enhancement of photographs. And we also do all the image management. So we help our clients with all the resizing, renaming, reformatting, and, and getting it to their media partners, their printers, their publishers, their television stations, their website uh, providers, and everything you would need to highlight your business or your property in its best light and use those visual assets in whatever media you choose. And what type of investment, Brian, would a business have to make to get this level of service? Well, it's it's actually a lot less than I most of them would think because this is all we do. So it's not like calling a you know commercial photography studio who does portraits and baby photographs and nature photographs and event photography and such. This all we do is produce photography for properties, places, locations, and businesses. So it's anywhere from you know a couple hundred dollars to a couple thousand dollars, depending on, on how involved you want to be, how many photographs you need, what you need to do with them. And I don't think people really should underestimate how much great photography, whether it be video or still photographs, really allow you to stand apart from your competition, Brian, when it's so difficult to come through with all the clutter on the web. If, you know, say I'm searching for a new dentist, you know, I've just moved into a new neighborhood, I'm looking for a dentist, I search dentists in Chicago or Rosemont, and I see eight. If I've got good, you know, stunning, striking photographs of my office and where you're going to sit in, in the waiting room and, and things like that, and none of my competitors do, you know, again, first impressions. That's probably the place I'm going to call first or check out first. Whereas, you know, if the other place has just got a picture of the, the front of their office in a strip mall with a sign above it, you know, that, that's not going to entice me. That's not going to get me to choose you over your seven competitors. So it is very powerful in that. You know, again, going back to that, the Internet makes it so easy to see all my choices at once. What is it that's going to get me to pick yours to dive deeper? Well, Brian, where can people learn more about VHT Studios and the photography suite? So you can go to vht.com. Com, and you can see all of our services. You can see examples of all types of different businesses and homes and uh, things that we've photographed over the last 21 years. And, you know, hopefully contact us to come out and work with you on, on promoting your business. Brian, thanks for being on the show. And I want to thank everyone for joining this week's radio show. I want to thank our sponsors, Nextiva, the all-in-one communications platform, Web.com, who's a leading provider of websites and domains for small businesses, serving 3 million companies just like you for a 25 
20% off of building your own website. Go to www.web.com slash Barry Moltz. I want to thank Maco Design, a global award-winning product development firm that helps you bring your invention ideas to life. I want to thank Corporate Direct. Protecting your assets is crucial and your protection is set with Corporate Direct. I want to thank LinkedIn. It's the place to generate leads, drive website traffic, and build your brand awareness for a free $100 ad credit to launch your first campaign. Go to www.linkedin.com slash SBR. Thanks to our booking producer, Sarah Schaffer, and our in-studio producer, Lady B, our marketing manager, Courtney Gilchrist. Come on, if you're serious about being more successful this year, you got to give me a call on my private line, 773-837-8250, or email me at barry at moltz.com. Remember, love everyone, trust the few, and pal your own canoe. Have a profitable and passionate week. You can find Barry Moltz on the web at barrymoltz.com or more episodes of Small Business Radio at smallbizradioshow.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.